Greetings, shalom. Today's message is brought to you by Dr. Royal. Please listen to this powerful, transforming message titled The Seven Steps Where Yeshua or Jesus Died. Dr. Kurt Doyle. Seated, please stand. Let us fix our hearts this morning. So we're going to sing one worship song. We sing praises to your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Pastor Ken Sat. I sing praises to your name. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the beautiful rain we received last night, Father. Thank you for each and every one that sacrificed their precious time to be here this morning to come and glorify your name, to come and praise your name, to come and seek your face this morning, Father. And Father, as I'm about to minister your word to your people, I've done what is humanly possible. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will speak to me, Father. Yes. Speak to your people to me yes. in Jesus' name, Father. Amen and amen. We pray that souls will be saved this morning, Father. We pray that mindsets will be transformed. We pray that families will unite, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And just before, before, before we sit, or you may be seated, before I start ministering, Pastor, can you just stand this morning? 
just stand, just stand. This is nonsense that people are threatening the man of God. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. We're gonna break it now, and we're gonna break it now. Whoever said something against the man of God does not know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, and we declare that no weapon formed against him shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise, we give you all the honor this morning. We ask that you will cover our pastor, Father, that you will cover Pastor Tommy, Father, and we declare that no weapon formed against him shall prosper in Jesus' name, Father, because we are making a difference in the Rado Pastor. Father, people are not happy and we cancel, cancel, cancel right now what the enemy has prayed for Uncle Tony's life, the pastor's life, for this ministry, for his family, in Jesus' name. Cancel it right now, Father. And we also cancel the loose mouths that is carrying stories from the enemy to the child of God. We cancel and we seal those mouths right now in Jesus' name. You will die of natural causes. Nobody will kill you. No weapon formed against you, I the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Cover you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you. You may be seated, Father. You may be seated this morning. Beloved, we must not allow people to bring stories to us. The moment somebody comes with negative things, tell him, thank you, but keep quiet. I don't need no negative no negative information towards my life or my family's life. Cancel it. You have the power to cancel yes. it. In Jesus' name. Amen. We mustn't accommodate nonsense. There's no such a thing. Okay. This morning, I'd like to greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome my friend Andres again this morning. And also our special guest there, uh, Gary, in the person of Gary this morning. He promised me yesterday to visit. I didn't believe but he's here this morning. Thank you and welcome each and every one to the house of God. Normally, I bring messages to equip. Welcome, sister. I haven't seen you for ages. You haven't been here for a very long time. Welcome back this morning. Welcome. Uh, normally, I bring a message to empower us to be able to stand what the world is to offer. But this morning, I'm going to bring a deeper message. I'm going to bring something deep. This message is so touching. While I was preparing twice in my study, I had to close the door. I just broke down. I just couldn't believe the love that God has for us. If you understand, as I'm going to explain this message this morning, like I say, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher and I will teach. But as I explain this morning, you will understand why I broke down twice this week when I prepared this message. This message is so touching. And I would like your undivided attention. Uh, the message has been recorded, so please don't let the kids walk up and down because we strive for excellence. We don't know who's going to watch the videos. We, we don't know who's going to listen to the recording. So this recording is going up Africa. Andres is ambassador for Africa, so he records the messages and he's going to send it up Africa. Okay? So whatever we're experiencing here this morning, Africa will experience it. Okay, so we serve a God of order and we strive for excellence. So this morning, I'm asking you with all due respect, keep your children quiet. If they cannot behave, please take them towards the back so the recording don't pick it up. So then whoever watches our recording will know that we are church that strive for excellence. If children are running up and down, that means we cannot control our own children. So how are we going to spread the gospel to the world if we cannot even control our own children? Okay, all right, are you ready this morning? Okay, the title of my message this morning is 
The seven places Jesus bled for you and I. The seven places Jesus bled for you and I. Okay? So, because we have a lot of scriptures to read, I've asked Edith to read again this morning for me. So, you can follow in your Bible, but we're going to move quickly so that we can get to the crux of the story. Do you understand? So, you can follow or you can make note. Or you can make notes for yourself as well. So, if you make note of the scriptures and the verses, you can then go listen to it or read it when you get home, right? So, the seven places Jesus bled for you and I. Now, I just need to clarify something. I went to a service about two years ago, where the minister preached and said, the Romans killed Jesus. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus gave up his cause. Nobody has the power to kill Jesus. Jesus died because it was his assignment. So nobody killed. I just need to clear that with you. So Jesus bled and he died, but he was not murdered. Okay? He, was, he died, he gave up his cause out of his own accord. Okay? So the seven places, I'm going to go into one to seven, and I'm going to go explain the exact place or on his body where the blood flowed and I'm going to give the significance of every drop of blood of Jesus that flowed was for a reason nothing was for coincidence and nothing was to, to promote Jesus or to show how tough he was every blood that was shed was for a reason and 2,000 years later we still benefit out of that reason okay, so you are you guys ready? are you ready? okay, so the seven places Jesus bled. Jesus had to die. That was part of God's plan for his life. You understand? So I said Jesus was not killed and Jesus was not murdered. Nobody killed him. He had to die because he was planned. It was part of the plan of God for his life. For us, the death of Jesus was part of the divine plan to save humanity. Jesus had to die for us to be saved. If Jesus did not die, we would not be saved this morning. Okay. The death and resurrection of Jesus is at every heart of every Christian faith. For Christian, it is through Jesus' death that people's broken relations with God is restored. That is known as the atonement. Okay? So I just gave a quick synopsis of the atonement. Right. I'm going to go fast, but I'm going to go into detail when I get to my point. Right? Jesus had to achieve his own resurrection from the dead. Now, death is normal. All of us are going to die. We've been to funerals. Family members have died. Parents have died. Grandparents have died. But to make a difference, God had to make a difference by sacrificing Jesus. Jesus' death was normal. Everybody's going to die. Like I said, everybody has been to funerals. So there's nothing supernatural about that. But the resurrection, that's where the difference comes in. There's lots of religions where the leaders died, but they've got tombs. Our leader or our Jesus' tomb is empty. So that's where the difference came. So for the resurrection to take place, Jesus had to die. You understand? So his dying was part of showing his love for us. I just read John 3.16. So his dying was part of showing love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay? Sister Edith, why are you taking this one? Okay. Okay, I carry on. His death on the cross was the way to cancel the legal demands of the law against us. Now, the Old Testament... You remember, we were under, or they were under, the law. So when Jesus died, or Jesus came, we were under grace. But he had to die for us to receive that grace. Okay, alright. To give us eternal life. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary for the sin of all mankind. Because of, because of Jesus, there is a spiritual sanctuary, the new covenant. The new covenant is also now translated for the New Testament. 
You understand? In the new relationship between God and humans, God, Jesus had to restore the new relationship. Jesus is the mediator between man and God. So you cannot speak to God directly. You speak through Jesus. You understand? That's why Jesus had to die, so that we can speak through Jesus to God. Okay, so right. In the Garden of Gethsemane, so I'm just going to give you a quick background before I get to the first blood, before the first drop of blood, right? So Luke 22, 39 to 46, please do you. Coming out, he went to the Mount of listen Olives. Listen nicely, listen nicely. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Amen. Amen. So that's self-explaining, but I'm just going to brief quickly what happened was. So, you know, it was the Last Supper. We call it the Last Supper. Jesus at supper with disciples, he washed their feet and things. And the way I'm picturing it, the house was there where they had the last supper. If you go in detail, it was actually John's mother's house where they had the last supper, right? So when they came down, they came into the garden, and Jesus said to them, watch, the enemy is coming. Judas is coming. Where did the temple, decide? the temple police were accompanied with Judas to come and betray Jesus, right? So the way I'm picturing it, uh, I want you to be part of the story. You understand? So that you can understand and we're all together. Uh, so Jesus came down and then he took Peter and the sons of Zebedee, John and James. So in life, you must always have... Can you please keep a little point? Okay. So in life, you must always try and have uh, uh, somebody close to you. People call it your inner circle. You have your inner circle and then you have your friends and you have comrades and you have... So there's some things that become so personal that you cannot discuss with everyone, but you must have those three people or four people around you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now, these were Jesus' inner circle. This was Peter, John, and James. So he asked them, said to them, guys, because Jesus knew what was going to happen, okay? Jesus knew what was going to happen, so he asked them to come with me into the garden, and he said, pray with me. But every time Jesus went... He, Jesus never prayed with him. He stepped away, but every time he came back, it happened twice. Every time he come back, they are sleeping. Do you understand what I'm saying? So already, the pain and the anxiety was boiling so in Jesus' life that uh, 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 he knew what was going to happen. But he thought his friends had his back. But every time he got there, they were sleeping. Okay? So from there, he moved on to the Mount of Olives. So when he got to the Mount of Olives, it was just further on. They were praying with him, but every time, like I said, three times, they were sleeping. And then the anxiety started creeping in, started creeping into, into Jesus, and he became sorrowful, and he became troubled. Now, this is where the Bible says, if you read properly, it says, his sweat, his sweat became like blood. Now, like does not mean it was blood. So the Bible speaks of seven places where Jesus bled. 
but it's actually six places because the first was like blood. So if I say Sister Edith sings like CC Winans, she that means she sings similar to CC, but she doesn't sing like CC because like means you it's similar. There's a there's a thin line between like and blood. Now, just to give you an example of the stress that Jesus was going through. Remember he asked that God must take this cup away, but because it was assignment, God could not take the cup away. Right. So just to give you an example of the level of stress that can cause you your blood, your sweat to be like blood. In China in the 18th century, if they sentence you to death, they put you in a private cell and they say on the 19th or say like the 1st of November, you will be executed. So the night of the 1st of November or the night before the 1st of November, they would come to your cell and they would tell you 10 hours, 9 hours, 8 hours, 7 hours. And you, they work you up, they work you out. In the morning, they'll bring you out with chains and take you to the execution room. And the priest will be sitting there. Your parents will be sitting there. And your friends will be sitting there through a glass. They'll connect all the gadgets on you to execute you. And uh, they'll tell you to wave. And as you look at your mom and you see the tears in the eyes, and you'll say, bye-bye, mommy, bye-bye. And, and they tell you it's the last time to say bye-bye. And they switch on all the machines. And you see the gauges going, all the poison coming into your body. And as you... As the machines go and go, they switch it off. And they say, we're not going to do it today, we'll do it some other time. That is when your sweat smells like blood. That is when, now that is the kind of anxiety that Jesus experienced for you and I. That is a kind of anxiety. It's actually called hematrophic rosis. Hematrophic rosis, you work in hospitals, you know the word. It's, it's one out of a million people that can ex experience that kind of level of stress. Now, I'm just trying to paint the picture of what our Lord experienced in that garden before they came to execute him. Right? So, uh, uh, it's the highest level of stress. In the Garden of Eden, Adam lost his power. And he said, not my will be done. Now, if you listen to what, what Eden uh, read there, then Jesus also said, not my will be done, but your will be done. So when, when Adam lost the power, Jesus then in the Garden of Gethsemane restored that power by saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. So the significance of the first blood that he shed, Jesus won back our power to resist temptation because he became the greatest temptation. He overcame the greatest temptation that anybody he overcame that, and by him overcoming that, we over, he gave us the power now to overcome temptation. Do you understand? So, so if you are tempted to do anything wrong, then just think of that night in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus paid for your temptation. So if you at work and you you're tempted to steal, then think, Jesus paid for my temptation. I cannot do it because I'm a child of God. If you're tempted to do anything else, do you understand? If you have that glass of beer there and you know that you had a problem with alcohol but now you're a child of God, if you look at that glass of beer and as you lift it, think of the price that was paid for your temptation and that's why then you have the power to put it down. I'm going to explain to you all the others now. Second one was the 39 stripes. I'm not going to go into detail of the procedure, but I'm going to give you a description of the But the second one was the 39 stripes on Jesus' back. 
The 39 times they whooped him, Oliver. The 39 times. So read John 19.1. Please, sister. So then Pilate took Jesus and scorched him. Amen. Just repeat the child. So then Pilate took Jesus and scorched him. Amen. Okay. okay. Pilate took Jesus. Scorched means whooped him. They started hitting Jesus. They whooped him 39 times. 39 times, okay? Now, the 39 times that, that Jesus was whooped, the reason why he was whooped 39 times is he won back our health. His body was bruised for hours to be made whole. Now, if you do a study in medicine, you work in hospital, you do a study in medicine, anybody's got the right now to go study medicine. There is 39 root causes of all diseases. Now, is this a coincidence of this plan of God? So, every time Jesus was whooped, Cancel, cancer. Whoop, cancel diabetes. Whoop, cancel meningitis. Whatever. Thirty-nine. Yeah, you're welcome to say hallelujah. The recording is beautiful. You can say it. Right. So thirty-nine stripes on Jesus's back. He paid for your healing. He already paid for healing. So all that you need to do is there is no disease that Jesus cannot heal, right? We've experienced it. I know. We've paid for so many. There's no disease that Jesus cannot. He paid already for every disease. So all you need to do is claim your healing. Stop complaining. Every time you have eight, just say, number 17, Jesus paid for this. Number 18, Jesus paid for this. Number 21, Jesus paid for this. Number 19, Jesus paid for this. So why must I complain? Jesus already paid for our healing. Do you know that if they had to beat Jesus 40 times, you would have died? Because according to the Roman law, if, you eat, if they beat you 39, you'll survive. But if, you eat, if they beat you 40 times, you will not survive. Now, just to give you an example, like I said earlier, nobody killed Jesus. Matthew 27, 50. Nobody killed Jesus. Just read it, please. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Amen. So he yielded up his spirit means he gave up his spirit. He gave up his ghost. He gave up his life for us because he loves us so much. So nobody killed him. So now I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of the journey uh, when they took Jesus now to Pilate and back and quick. I'm just going to read through it quickly and then I'm going to explain to you the cat of nine lives. Now the cat of nine lives was the, 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 the weapon they used to beat Jesus, right? I'm going to give it to you. They took Jesus to the high priest's home. From the garden, they took him first to the high priest's home. Now, the, the high priest of those days is not the high priest of today. Those people were different kind of people. They were out to kill Jesus. They weren't there to spread the gospel. On a later stage, I'll give a teaching on that. But they were out to destroy Jesus. They didn't want Jesus to become the king of kings or they did not acknowledge him as the king of kings. Okay, so they took Jesus to the high priest's home. He was struck in the face by a soldier. They hit him in his face. Our Lord and Savior, they hit him in his face. Now, if somebody hits you in your face, it's a sign of disrespect. You understand what I'm saying? If somebody can smack you in your face, or somebody hit you in your face, a sign of disrespect. Right? They blindfolded him. They beat him. They spat in his face. Do you understand? Now you blindfolded the person. Now, beloved, I want you to go with me to this journey now. I want you to start picturing face right then they put the blindfold so jesus didn't know what was going on and then they spat in his face do you understand what i'm saying they pulled out his beard 
Now for men, we know, we know, just one beard, you know how sorry it is, they play, you, Jesus, you see, he had a full beard, they pulled his beard out of his skin, and the blood was running from his face already, but Jesus never said a word, he didn't fight back, he could have called 10,000 angels, he could have destroyed him in a second, but he never, he did not because he's God, right, they dressed him in a robe, uh, just to make him a fool, just to undermine him, to make him a fool, right? Crowd started screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Now you can imagine the situation, how it was. You know, even in the streets, when yeah. people fight, how the others hit him, hit him, hit him, and they encourage, even if you don't want to, they say things yeah. that you start doing, you know? You are flogged, you are stripped of his clothes. Now imagine, with that crowd, they stripped him completely naked. How embarrassing was that? How embarrassing was it for our Lord? They tied him to the posts of his hands, so they as they were hitting him, they, they tied him high up. Now, as they tied him up, he started tearing. As they were hitting him, you know, he started tearing, right? He stretched his skin, made the wounds worse. They whipped him with a cat of nine lives. Now, this is what I'm explaining. This cat of nine lives, uh, uh, Oliver, it was such a terrible weapon that they used. The cat of nine lives was 18 inches long. It had nine leather straps. It was eight, nine feet, seven feet long. It had small little small little lead balls on the end of it, right? They mix it with animal bones. They took a bone and they cut it on the end and put the bone in there. So, and with pieces of metal, sharp pieces of metal. So as they beat him on his, they, it used to hook in his flesh and then they pull it out. Do you understand? And as they were pulling it out, the blood started running for our, of our Lord Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Just for us. They would tear out his body and they would, they would pull it. His vital organs, the way they pulled it and the way they damaged his body, his vital organs started showing. You could see his kidneys, you can see his lungs, you could see his ribs right through his body. His skin was gone. He was just bleeding all the time, Oliver. Just bleeding for us, for people that did not even love him, for people that did not even respect him. He, they did all that for those same people that was doing it for him, unto him. But that's the God that we serve. Do you understand what I'm saying? The blood would gush like, like a running tip. It was just run like this. But Jesus never lost conscious. He was conscious throughout this journey. They dressed him again. They stopped him again. They spat in his face again. Embarrassed him. Tried to embarrass him. Now, beloved, as he was carrying on, some of the blood started coming dry. Right? You know, the blood was stuck now to this rope that they put him. Then they would pull the rope again and the dry blood would open again and the flesh would open again and the blood would run all over again, and he would experience this pain. Now you must know that is 39 hours later. Jesus never slept the whole night. They tortured him, they're taking him through now. This is not only hours of morning. Jesus was already tired and he was carrying that cross and carrying that cross because he had to. They were ripping him all the time. Now the Bible speaks about the fifth station or the seventh station. The station means it's all the places where Jesus fell. Station number one. I'm going to speak on this some other time as well. But they call that the seven stations. It's the seven stations, the seven places where he bled, the seven words he spoke before he died, the seven words he spoke after he died. Everything was seven, seven, seven. Right. So this is the fifth station or the seventh station where he fell and he just couldn't make it anymore. Now I want you to picture. It's painful. It's 39 hours later. He never slept. He must carry this big cross and he's pulling and pulling. And as he's pulling, they're hitting him all the way. Right. At the seventh station, they stopped. There was a man in the crowd. There was a man in the crowd. And his facial expressions showed that he loved Jesus. So you can imagine him standing there. It must have been tears. And every time they catch him, his face must have, you know, the pain. So they, 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 they spotted 
This man has got compassion for Jesus. And they took him and they said, help Jesus carry this cross. And you know who that man was? That man's name was Simon. And you know where Simon came from? Africa. Simon was a man from Africa and he visited he visited Jerusalem for that weekend for the, for the Jewish festival. The Passover was that weekend and Simon was there and they spotted him and they said he must carry and help Jesus. The, 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 the journey where Jesus walked is called the, the Via della Rosa. You've been there, you've seen it. The Villa del Rosa, that's the way that Simon helped him carry. Jesus was weak and he couldn't, and he carried. And it's a way, Villa del Rosa means way of suffering, way of suffering in, in, in Hebrew. So that was the way of suffering that Jesus had to suffer. And you must know, Jesus is an innocent man. He did not do anything. Jesus had no sin, but he became sin for us, right? The distance was almost a kilometer that he had to carry this heavy cross, right? So that is why. The only person that Jesus' blood fell on was a man from Africa. Jesus helped everybody. Throughout the Bible, Jesus helped everybody. But there's no person that helped Jesus besides Simon. That's why the people, the world can say what they want to about Africa. But Africa is God's favorite continent. Because the man that helped him came from Africa. We are God's favorite people. Africa is blessed. We speak of Africa. No longer South Africa because South Africa is one. We have Nigerian neighbors, we have Zimbabwe neighbors, so we Africans. There's no such thing in South Africa anymore. So, just to give an example of what I'm saying now. COVID is destroying Europe. Watch BBC. Watch the news. COVID is destroying Europe. France is in lockdown. They can't come out of their house. UK, with all their money, with all their intelligence, with all their bright ideas, with all, all of them undermine Africa. UK is in lockdown. America is in lockdown. Africa, although we have COVID, but we are still able to walk around. We are still able to come to church Come to church and worship. Okay, that was point number two. Number three, he was bruised and he suffered. He was bruised and he suffered internal bruises. So there was sometimes they would just used to hit him. There was no blood coming out, but he was bleeding internally. And as you know, as a, as a nurse, as working for hospital, internal bleeding is sometimes more dangerous than outside bleeding because when you bleed internally, it affects your vital organs, it affects your heart, and your heart just stops and you die. Right? Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? So, by his stripes you are healed. So he was bruised for our iniquities. Not because of his own iniquities. But they, he received internal injuries, but the significance of the internal injuries is to break all generational curses. To break all generational curses. Now, the generational curse, you might say, my grandfather was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, so that's why I'm an alcoholic. You can say, my grandmother died of cancer, my mother died of cancer, my three sisters died of cancer, so I'm going to die of cancer as well. You can say, my grandfather was poor, my great-grandfather was poor, I must be poor. Today, today, beloved, Andres, 
We have the power to cancel it, and we're gonna cancel it this morning. We have the power to cancel alcohol, sickness, poverty in our families because Jesus paid for it. You know, I always give an example. I say, if your mother bought furniture from Red Loss, and she paid up everything, and she dies, all that you need to do is to go and fetch the furniture. You don't need to pay anything anymore because it was paid. Now this morning I'm going to teach you that everything that we experiencing in life has been paid. All that you need to do, Pastor, is step in. This property has been paid for already. It's been paid for. All that we need to do is go and fetch your inheritance. I'm going to get to that now. Go and fetch it and transfer it on Kingdom Outreach Ministries name and we start developing, we start developing our children. You understand what I'm saying? And we are not going to listen to any negative voices that say we cannot because our Father is the King of Kings. He died on that cross and He paid for us and He paid for our inheritance 2,000 years ago. All that we need to do is confess it. Confess it. Confess your money, sister. Confess your money. Confess your property because Jesus already paid for it. You have property waiting for you. Don't live in somebody's shack or somebody's outbuilding if you have property. Go and fetch your property, develop your property, and build your home and build your family's home so that your children and children's children can have a home to live. I'm serious, sister. Go and get your property. Okay. Okay. All right. So this morning you have the power to cancel everything. We're going to get to that. The next point, Oliver. Are you sleeping? Are you writing? The crown of thorns. Okay, John 19.2. Read, sister. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Amen. Okay, now the crown of thorns was trying to embarrass him. You say you're a king. Where's your, where's your crown? So we're going to make a crown of thorns. They pressed it in his head, Uncle Tommy, Pastor. They pressed it. And as they pressed it, the blood flowed down flow down. And as they pressed that blood flow down on his body. But that blood was for a reason. That blood signifies that Jesus won back our peace of mind. When when that thorn went into Jesus and the blood went down, your mind problems was healed. Your mindset was healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we are free from torment. No longer can the devil torment us anymore. I was so surprised on, on, on a radio station I was listening the other day, a Christian radio station, I'm not going to mention names. A lady phoned in and said, I am a Christian and I believe in God, but pastor, she's phoning the DJ, but pastor, I want you to pray for this tokoloshi that's tormenting me like this every day. No, beloved, how can a tokoloshi torment you if you are a child of God? If you understand this kind of teaching, in the crown of thorns, Jesus paid for that tokoloshi. You understand what I'm saying? What nonsense can we believe in today's day and age if we are children of God? Do you understand? And don't come tell me we're African. We're all Africans, but we don't believe in those kind of things anymore. We don't believe in witch doctors. We don't believe in fortune tellers. We don't believe in tokoloshi. We don't believe in moneylenders. We believe in moneylenders because the moneylender is just as bad as a witch doctor. Because, because you will never get out of it. You borrow a thousand, 
when you die, you will still owe the thousand. Your children will carry on owing the thousand because they're going to borrow money from the same money lender for your funeral. So stop the money lenders. If we still have people that's caught in that mindset, stop it. God is our provider. Man. God is our provider. Go on your knees and see this face and say, Father, I need you for a financial breakthrough. Come through. I'm going to teach you here that Jesus paid for our financial breakthrough. He prayed already, right? He paid for it already. Isaiah 53, 5. Sister? You read it already? Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. So, okay, sorry. So, he paid for our mindset. He paid for everything. So, another thing is, the crown also paid for us to have contentment. What I'm saying, if you lose your house, if you lose your car, if you lose your job, don't stress. Don't stress. Don't stress. Because if you stress and you worry, that means you don't have faith in God. God allows certain things in life to happen because you already know the outcome of your life. So if you fight what he's planning, then you're out of order. You understand? As the blood dropped from Jesus' face, it brought healing to our minds. So, so our minds are healed. There's no Alzheimer's and those kind of things anymore for children of God. You just become slow. Sometimes in life, the older people start forgetting. It's sometimes better to forget about that family member that gives you problems. You can't even remember their name. It's fine. Do you understand what I'm saying? That one that owes you money or you owe them money, just forget about them. Just uh, you know, I'm so old, I can't remember. Although you know exactly who they are, just start forgetting about them. Yeah, release them. Let them go. It's fine. It's fine. The next one, Matthew 27, 35. The piercing of the hands. When they crucified him, Pastor, they pierced his hands, right? Now, the new theologians, there's a, there's a, there's a debate now. Was Jesus pierced in his hand or was he pierced in his wrist? But we believe that he was pierced in his hand because he showed the marks on his hands, not the business. So they say, according to, according to Jesus' weight and the height of the, of the cross and things, if he was pierced in the hand, it would have slipped out. But there's no such a thing. We believe that he was pierced in his hand. Okay, read Matthew 27, 35. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments amongst them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is now the piercing of the hand. The piercing of the hands signifies that Jesus took back our prosperity. Like I explained, whatever the enemy took from you, whatever the enemy has robbed you from, you have the power today to take it back because Jesus already paid. Jesus freed us to receive our inheritance. Like I said to you, sister, our inheritance is lying there. One day you spoke about it, Pastor, as well. We just need to go and claim our inheritance because Jesus already paid. Before Jesus was, before Jesus' hands was pierced, we couldn't receive our inheritance because our hands was full of sin. But when he died, that sin was forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? That sin was forgiven. They pierced his hands, the sin was forgiven. So now we can do something with our hands. We can now lift our holy hands to worship Jesus. Do you know how many people would desire to just have hands 
to worship Jesus. And here we stand, we've got hands, we've got feet, we've got fingers, we've got toes, we've got eyes, we've got everything, but we stand with our hands in our pocket, we don't want to worship Jesus. Do you know how many people will desire just to worship Jesus? He was crucified for us to worship him. When, when we sing, just worship and just let go. We can use our hands to lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Stop calling the pastor 2 o'clock in the morning when your child is sick. You have the power. You have the power. The same power that Jesus has. The same power that the disciples have. You have it as well. There's nothing wrong with coming the next day to pray. But 2 o'clock in the morning, don't wake the pastor. Let them sleep. You have that same power. The same Jesus that you did. They worship. You worship. So why can't you just do it to yourself? We can use our hands to lay hands on people and you will see. John 3.35, sister. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Amen. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the first thing that the soldiers binded was Jesus' hands. They knew, they knew this man's hands. They knew this man took his hands and he took mud and he took spit and he made a mixture and he healed the blind. This hands, that hands of Jesus, so they had to tie that hands. They knew that that hands took five, took five loaves of bread and two fish and he fed 5,000. That hands, Oliver. So they knew, let me tie his hands up because this hands is dangerous hands, right? This hands stopped the funeral. Read your Bible, you see. Jesus stopped the funeral and he took the corpse out and the corpse was alive. So they knew this hands is dangerous to so tie the hands. But so do you. But you need to stir up that gift in you. Your hand is just as powerful. Because you're a child of God. And he paid for you to have liberation on your hands. Do you understand? So you just need to go out and claim that hand. Your hands are special. Your hands are special. When you look at your hands, they are not just skin and bone. When you look at your hands, don't just look at the skin and bones with some, with some nails, some pink, blue nails, whatever color you have. Don't look at it. Look at it and say, this is a gift from God. I'm going to use this to make myself rich. I'm going to use this to lay hands on people. I'm going to use this to drive out demons. I'm going to use this to empower myself to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit can only be conveyed by laying off on hands. You understand what I'm saying? When you lay your hands on somebody, through the Holy Spirit will work through you, and that hands will touch at somebody, and they will be healed. Okay, miracles of physical healing through laying of hands. You can heal through your hands. Spiritual deliverance come through your hands. Laying of hands, stir up the giftingness within you. Look at your hands and say, I want you, because I see you, you look like you're falling asleep. So say after me now, because I want you to wake up now. Look at your hands. Look at both hands. Look at your hands. Look at your hands and say, these hands have the power to create wealth. Say, repeat. It doesn't seem like you mean it. Say, these hands has the power power to create wealth. I will be a billionaire through my hands. Right? These hands have the power to heal the sick. Awesome. These hands have the power to set the captive free. These hands have the power to set the Never doubt the resurrection power of God's flowing through your hands. Don't undermine and estimate your hands. Because, like I said, we're all made in the image of God. So what makes apostles, so-and-so, prophets, so-and-so, Benny Yin or whatever, so important that we must go stand in queues for days and days to get to that special person to lay hands on me, then I will be healed. You have the same power. Jesus died. His hands were spears so that you can have the same power that he is. So why must we go queue? 
for days and days. No, no, no. Number six, the blood that was shed to the piercing of Jesus' feet. Psalm 22, 16. For the dogs surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Amen. Now the piercing of the feet, beloved, gives us authority. Authority. I spoke on authority last week. Authority is influence. Authority is not using your power over everybody. It's, it's, the authority's dominion is in the place of the feet. Authority that's under your feet is under your control. So you'll see uh, in the movies when they do sword fighting and the guy falls, they always put his foot on. That means you're under my control. So right now, the devil is under your control because you have authority in your feet. Amen. So whatever the devil is trying to, to do with you or mess with your mind, you are being paid for your mind. When you mess with somebody else, when you mess with your children, you play and you put the, daughter, the devil under the authority of your feet and the devil will not be able to move because the authority is under your feet. The blood that ran from Jesus' feet cleansed your feet. Every drop as they crucified him, the blood as it was falling, it fell on your feet. So it gave you the power. So wherever you put your feet, you have authority. Our feet is con are, are connected to our purpose. Our feet is connected to our purpose. So every step we take is in direction of your purpose or away from your purpose. But your feet will direct your purpose. If your feet say, if God sends you to go, and, to go and start a church in India, it's your feet that will take you to India. Yes. You won't fly, but you have to walk out of your car to the airport. From the plane, you have to walk out to your destiny. So your feet is your purpose to your destiny. So it depends how you use your feet. You can use your feet to create sin. You can use your feet to go into a brothel. You can use your feet to go into a bottle store. You can use your feet to go rob a bank. So it depends. Your mind can control your feet. But Jesus already paid that your feet must tremble on solid ground. Whatever you put under your feet is under you and will never come out again. Satan knew, Satan knew Jesus was the one who had come to crush him. Remember, he crushed the serpent. The Bible speaks about crushing the serpent. So how do you crush the serpent with your feet? So Satan knew Jesus used his feet to crush him. That's why he tried, he nailed his feet to the cross. He thought he would escape divine judgment. But what Satan did not know, what he did not realize was that by the blood shed from Jesus' feet, every nail would become a complete defeat for the devil. That's what they didn't know. Through the blood, I can walk the right path. Right. Seven. This is the most important one. This is the last one. Right. The blood that was shed through Jesus' side. John 19.34 But one of the soldiers pierced his sight with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Amen. Okay. Now you know the story. Jesus was on the cross. He was hanging. They instructed to say the time is coming, the Sabbath is coming, so they need to make sure that they remove from the cross and bury it before the Sabbath starts. So when they got there, the two thieves, the two guys that was on Jesus' left and Jesus' right, they were still alive. So they broke their legs and they died. When they got to Jesus, Jesus had already died. Jesus was dead. So Long Jeans, the guy's name is Long Jeans, was a soldier that was instructed by the army. To, 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 to make sure that Jesus is dead. So he pressed, as Jesus was hanging there, he pressed the spear right through, but he didn't touch Jesus' heart, and blood and water came out. Now something that you might know or you might not know, as I did my deeper research, this guy called Longines was a blind soldier. He was blind. So they, 
But the search shows, as he pressed the spear through Jesus, right? Jesus was ready so he didn't feel any pain. As he pulled it out, water and blood came out of Jesus. And it fell, it spat in his face. The blood splashed in Long John's face. And as he wiped his, his eyes, he could see. He, he could see. As he wiped his eyes, he could see. He went down. The cross was there in our picture. This man was blind. And as he wiped, he went down. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. The blood that was shed on Jesus' eyes, Jesus won back our joy. He healed our broken hearts. He mended our broken hearts. When Jesus, when God cut Adam, remember I spoke last week about the rib. Adam was blessed with the wife. But when the spear went through Jesus, we were blessed with the church. You understand what I'm saying? The side of Jesus gave birth to the church. So that's why don't take these gatherings for granted. Yeah. Don't come here on your own time. Yeah. Come late. Come with the attitude. Chew bubble gum. This is a holy place. Hallelujah. Jesus died for us to be able to fellowship the way we do. So don't undermine the church. Respect the authority of the church when you come in here. This is a place of worship. This is a place where you learn how to equip yourself to be able to cope in the week, during the week, because this is like the filling station. Every week you come, we fill you up. We, soon we're going to have Wednesday night. Soon we're going to have Wednesday night service as well. So Wednesday night you can come, fill yourself up again, because it's tough out there. We need to be equipped. So Jesus died so the church could be born. The church could be birthed. So us to enjoy the presence of God in the auditorium like this. Jesus paid the price with his death, but no broken bones on Golgotha. Place the, the, where Jesus was crucified was called Golgotha, the place of skull, because they used to leave the guys hanging there, and eventually the birds to eat the, 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 the skin and the flesh, and it was only skull. So there's a whole lot of skulls there where our Lord and Savior, the embarrassment to be to be crucified with sinners, and this is the Son of the Most High God. This is a sinless man. Do you understand? The love, all, the whole Bible is based on love. Then long jeans, when Jesus died, they took him to the tomb and they put him in charge again, the same long jeans. And they said, guard the tomb. And then they came and they said, when Jesus rose, they said, say that they came to steal him. They asked the same guy and he said, I cannot lie. This is my savior. Nobody came to steal him. I cannot lie. I cannot lie. And they executed him and they killed him. They killed him. But he became a Christian. His family became a Christian. When Jesus was on the cross, in the book of John, 1928, and then read 1930 as well. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might, might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Amen. Right. 1930? So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Amen. So Jesus said, It is finished. But he said it in Greek. Because Jesus could speak Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So he said it in Greek. And he said, As he was lying there, as, as he was hanging there, he says, Tetelestai. Tetelestai. 
Tetelestai means in Hebrew, I mean in Greek, paid in full. Paid in full. So what Jesus was saying there, and what I'm trying to tell you today, what Jesus is saying there when he says, Tetelestai, he says, I will turn your situation around. I will heal your body. I will restore your family. I will heal your children from drugs. I will protect your sons in prison. I will save your unsafe husband and wife. I will save your unsafe children. God said, God has sent me here today. I was not supposed to preach today. But this is no coincidence. God has sent me here today. It, you might be experiencing Friday, but your Sunday is coming. You might be experiencing Friday today, but your Sunday is coming. Psalm 10, Psalm 50, 51, you don't need to read it. And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. As I'm going to play the song now, just before I get there, just as quick synopsis for whatever I said now. Remember, by his stripes, you receive healing. So you are healthy today. Don't complain anymore. Don't complain anymore. Every time that attack comes, go to me. When you feel tired, when you feel lame, just think back of that cross. Just think, I stripes, I receive my healing. When you don't have money, just say, by the, by the, by the holes in your hands, as they pierce your hands, I receive my prosperity. Right, the next one. When your mind wants to run and mess with you, when you start getting nightmares, when you start seeing tuberculosis, when you're not supposed to see tuberculosis, just think of the crown. Just think of that blood and you will relax. Then temptation come when you want to do something funny. Just think of the Garden of Gethsemane when his sweat became like blood for you. So you're no more tempted. You don't need to be tempted anymore because you don't need to steal to survive. Because God will provide for you. All that you need to do, all that you need to do is us. Go on your knees and ask. Generation, generational curses is paid up today because of the internal bleeding. So you don't need to worry about your great great grandfather's problems. That was their problems for a time such as that. But you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So everything that you've done is paid for. Right? The last one was the feet. Your feet. Your enemy is under your feet. So Uncle Tommy, that enemy that's spraying all the wings. That enemy is under your feet. Today we all agree with you. I trap him and I blame. No weapon from against you shall prosper. Honey, touch me. So don't worry. Don't worry. You don't need to be sad anymore. Because by the wound on his side, that sword, that spear that went in there and pierced his side brought joy to you. So you don't need to be, so you don't need to be, you don't need to be said anymore. So I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to play a song this morning. And as you, as you listen to this song, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to come to the front. But all of us are going to pray together this morning. So, okay, are you ready this morning? Just listen to this song. It's not a long song. Close your eyes, listen to the song. And just think of that cross and think of what I said this morning. Each of, 
each and every one of us, Sister Edith, we all fall in one of these categories this morning. accepted Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you may come to the front. That's the only prayer we're going to do. You may come to the front. If you have not accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you may come to the front. Because you have to accept Him to be able to access this benefits that we are receiving from Jesus Christ. You have to accept Him. So if you have not accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you may come to the front this morning. If there's no one, let's just all raise our hands and say after me. All of us say after me this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. 
and rose from the dead. I turn from my sin and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I want to honor you with my time. I want to honor you with my talent. I want to honor you with my body. I want to honor you with my treasure. And with my whole heart, I want to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. For this, I have to just give my name. Uh, my name is Kurt Doyle. We call him from South Africa, Kingdom Outreach Ministries. Amen. Amen.